This is Animals Voice Podcast, presented by the Ontario SPCA with close to 50 communities working together for animal welfare. We've got another great show for you on the way, so put your paws up, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to Animals Voice Podcast. I'm joined with a special guest today, and it's on a really interesting topic, and it's something that comes up with our organization at the Ontario SPCA, you know, now and again, and and it's topical as well, even in the news, and it's all about uh, folks that are homeless and that own pets, and and sort of how they work through their their challenges and their struggles dealing with homelessness and, of course, caring for their pets. So I'm joined by Todd Stoussey. He's the field services manager at the Santa Cruz County Animal Shelter. Todd, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. And I think I kind of want you to just start off by telling us a little bit about, you know, your position being a field services manager and and what that means. Sure. County of Santa Cruz uh, runs a shelter. We run two shelters, one in the city of Santa Cruz, one in the city of Watsonville. Um, And we have the contract for the county and all of the cities. Um, We, a few years ago, changed uh, our name from Santa Cruz County Animal Services Authority to the Santa Cruz County Animal Shelter to try and be more community-based, more community-focused, less government Um, At that same time, we changed our officers' names from animal control officers to field services officers. Basically, those are the officers that go into the field, so to speak, the community, and and, uh, engage the public. We felt that it was a friendlier way to approach the public than to call ourselves animal control. And I think your position is is one where you're going into the community ultimately to help those in your community. And I think that's where um, what we're talking about really lies. It's all about sort of, you know, assisting and helping and being mm-hmm. a part of the community, you know, not coming in as a, a sort of form of enforcement necessarily. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yes. I mean, there's still times enforcement is necessary. There's, you know, but but I've always said that's about 5% of the time. There's 5% of the population that are doing egregious things to animals and they need, that's why the laws are on the book. But the majority of people out there want to do it. What's right for their animals. They just might not have the resources or the ability um, to do those things that we that we take for granted every day because we have we have those resources. And we discovered years ago at the Santa Cruz County Animal Shelter that really approaching people in the community, approaching people in the field, uh, approaching people where they live is how you're going to solve a lot of problems because those are the animals that are not coming into the shelter. Animal shelters that solely um, focus on what's coming into the shelter miss. 90% of the population that's out there of, of animals that are not being called in about certain things or um, not coming into the shelter. So today we're talking about uh, folks in the communities who are homeless. Mm-hmm. And so I guess the first where, where we're going to start is is about the obstacles that, that homeless people face, especially, mm-hmm. you know, when we're thinking about the fact uh, that they need to care for their pets. So what are some of those obstacles? Well, and, and I should preface this with in Santa Cruz County, we have a very large homeless population, um, which is where I kind of I've been working there for 15 years, and so I've, I've gained quite an insight into uh, people experiencing homelessness. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's really what you can imagine um, when, you, when you think about the culture of poverty and you think about people who are living day-to-day struggling, trying to make ends meet on a daily basis, not knowing where gonna, they're going to sleep that night, not knowing what they're going to eat tomorrow. Um, they really have a very limited um, day-to-day way to live where they're not thinking long-term. Um, and that can, can really affect the animals that they have. What I've really noticed, again, about 95% of those uh, folks experiencing homelessness that have animals love those animals, treat those animals better than a lot of people do who have houses. But the problem is is the lack of resources, the lack of vac- vaccinations, the lack of spay-neuter, the lack of accessible food, the lack of... Um, 
uh, routine vet care, the lack of toys, those sort of things. And even something as simple, you know, I've seen, I've seen homeless people begging, um, on the side of the road, um, with their animal and people will give them a 20 pound bag of dog food with good intentions, but not realizing that that 20 pound bag of dog food is very difficult for someone without a home to lug around with them for, you know, a couple of weeks. So, um, there, there's, uh, all sorts of issues that are out there that I think we that have have houses, we that have jobs, we that live in mainstream society don't really notice. And when we go out there and we start working in communities, start working with the homeless population, we really see good humans. We see good people who, for whatever reason, have, have lost a home. Um, you know, we also see people with, with substance abuse issues. We also see people with mental illness, um, which takes their own challenges. And uh, when you're going into homeless areas, uh, homeless encampments, things like that, you need to take some of that in consideration. Still, seeing that that most of the people even if they have substance abuse issues or mental illness are for the most part very good dog owners or cat owners yeah and still love their pets still love their pets and so obviously the issues um range quite Mm -hmm. significantly from like you're saying very basic things that you know we maybe don't consider uh some of us don't consider you know you're used to having the toys and the bedding and Mm -hmm. the leash and the collars you know multiple a lot of people have multiple Mm -hmm. uh, you know of these things for their pets but yeah maybe just having those basic necessities of course up to some of the more extensive uh animal care and veterinary Mm -hmm. care and and all of that and even with some of those minor things like leashes and collars i can't count the number of people who've had them stolen from them, who wow. are experiencing homelessness, who, you know, I'll, I'll give them a leash and then the next week I'll see the dog off leash. And it's like, well, my, you know, either the, the city came in and removed my campsite and took all my personal belongings or, you know, another person came in and stole the leash sort wow. of thing. So it's, it's things we don't think about that are happening out there. I wouldn't have even considered, yeah, yeah. just even chatting with you now. That's, that's incredible. So um, when we're talking about starting to look at how we approach this, we, you know, what are challenges that animal care staff or, or you know, animal control officers, or in your case, field services officers, uh, how do they start to build that trust with the homeless community and the homeless population? You know, I can imagine that trust would be a big factor, a big obstacle. Yes. The majority of people experiencing homelessness do not like law enforcement. Um, They see the badge and it's immediately a wall is up. Um, People don't want to um, communicate with us. And, and I think that, that, that can go both ways. I think, um, you know, I think we as officers have unfortunately through the years also kind of built that reputation on ourselves, um, you know, for one, one way or another with different communities, different cultures, um, people in homelessness. So I think it's time now that we start bringing these barriers down. Um, one really great way to uh, break those walls down is to just treat people as humans, be a human and go in there and, and, and talk to people. Um, what, one of the, the things I always try and say is you need to listen more than you talk. Um, you know, when you go into a homeless encampment and you just start telling people what to do, they immediately shut off and mm-hmm. you have no idea what it is that they need or they want. Um, but if you go into encampments and you, you introduce yourself, you know, I, and when I go into encampments, I don't wear my uniform anymore. Um, I still do have some. I was going to ask about yeah. that because you mentioned, yeah, the badge, they see the badge mm-hmm. and a sort of wall goes up. So, yeah, you, you, you go in, I guess, what, civilian clothes. I go in civilian clothes. I still carry some of my um, uh, defensive weapons in case I need them because Things can go squirrel at any time, so I have those with me still if I need them. Um, but it's it's more of a um, of a soft approach um, going in, and 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 I still stick out like a sore thumb going into a lot of encampments. Um, and and you know, I, I mean, in Santa Cruz, the homeless have a very particular look, and it's kind of that way in in a lot of places. Yeah. Um, and so when I go into the homeless encampments, it's obvious that I'm not not um, not living there. Um, so even with that, you know, people look at me like, who's this guy? Um, but I've been doing this now in in the homeless encampments for for several years, and I'm pretty well. Known 
known in the, in the homeless community now. So even when I go in, if, even if I go in in uniform, people know me um, and, and they know that, that, they, that I'm there to work with them to build that, that bridge um, and not there just to take their animals. So speaking of bridging that gap, uh, you know, obviously this is something you've been at for quite some time. Mm-hmm. It's taken you a lot of time mm-hmm. to develop that relationship. You know, for any uh, potential uh, officers from other communities that might be tuning into this podcast, do you have any maybe kind of, I want to say quick tips, but mm-hmm. I mean, I suppose they're not really quick in this line of work, yeah. but, you know, maybe that they can start to do to work towards bridging that gap of, of trust? Yes. Um, so most communities, um, you will know where the homeless encampments are. Um, you know, there's there's not just one person that's experiencing homelessness in one area. Homeless encampments, there's a large number of people living in those areas. And going to those encampments and introducing yourself and talking to people can be a really big way into it, um, within my knowing that you're not going to enforce laws. And one of the hardest parts that, that we had when we first started doing our foot patrols in the encampments was convincing the city police and the city rangers that we weren't going to be punitive. Um, the first few times we went out there, we went with those those law enforcement agencies just because we didn't know we were going to come across. And and having those officers there and, and saying, look, these people, we know they're illegally camping. We know we might come up and find drugs. We know we might come up and find these things, but we're not going to touch those. Not Can you today. Pl- not today. Can you please just come with us? We're going to deal with the animals. And, and they did with some reservation, but they did. Um, and so that was how we were able to really show them, look, you know, we're wearing uniform just like the Rangers and the city police, but we're not here to, to mess with you. We're not here to, That's awesome. to, to, you know, we're here to make sure your animals live a good life. And by bridging that gap and by, by really working with the community, I have so many what, what you know, they typically call confidential informants that will now come to me and say, hey, you know, and they call me Officer Todd. You know, Officer Todd, you know, we got some information for you. We got this, this you know, and it's, it's minor stuff. It's not, you know, like these big drug rings or anything. It's but, you know, hey, these people in this tent, you know, over by um, Evergreen Street have a new litter of puppies you know, sort of thing. And so that way I'm able to go over there. And then when I talk to the people, the litter puppies, they say, oh, you're Officer Todd. People told me about you. And it works both ways, doesn't it? It does right? work both ways. So yeah, yeah, you're going to help them. And essentially on the other side of it, they'll trust you and therefore exactly. they can help you. Yes, exactly. Give you information. Todd, yeah. this is like fascinating. Thank you so much. You're We're welcome. going to take a really quick break, guys. Uh, just check out these messages. We'll be right back with Todd for, uh, for more of this uh, story and information. The Ontario SPCA is gearing up for their biggest fundraiser of the year and we want you to join us. The 2018 Friends for Life Walk is Saturday, September 22nd and Sunday, September 23rd across the province of Ontario. Register today at friendsforlifewalk.ca. Welcome back to Animals Voice Podcast. We are here with Todd. He's sharing um, some incredible information about uh, folks who are homeless living with their pets and, you know, how to sort of start uh, approaching, uh, helping them, approaching their situation and helping uh, officers and animal control officers like Todd bridge that gap to to essentially help them. So we want to kind of continue hearing a little bit more, but more about your story. So I'm Mm -hmm. wondering, can you share any personal experiences where, you know, perhaps you've put some of these practices in. I know you mentioned uh, before the break that, you know, you sort of started things out uh, by by taking some officers uh, with you and, and just starting those introductions and, and uh, you know, sort of being honest, open and, mm-hmm. and friendly and uh, approaching people like people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, do you have any other, um, any other personal experiences? Yeah. <laughs> One of the... Um 
So when you when you work with people living on the street, um, a lot of times you have to understand street names because a lot of people oh. don't go by their names. Okay. You know, so if I go into the street and I say, "Hey, where's John Smith?" They're not going to know who John Smith is. But if I say, "Hey, where's you know Skunkface?" Then they know exactly who Skunkface is, and they tell you. Um, so that's why I it was referring to myself as Officer Todd because um, my street name in, in the homeless community is Officer Todd. Okay. Um, so that that's how they know me. And that's how, kind of how that how it gets passed around. Um, but personal experiences, um, one. One woman that I often think about is, is her name is L.A. Uh, it's her street name. Her, her name is actually Linda, um, but she goes by L.A. Um, and she was a woman who moved out to California from the Midwest. Um, there's a lot of people that do come out to Santa Cruz um, because of the climate. We have, a, we have a wonderful climate and we have a lot of drugs. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's a lot of methamphetamine. There's a lot of heroin. There's a lot of marijuana. So a lot of people do come out. It's very socially acceptable. Uh, police agencies don't don't focus a lot of resources into it and so a lot of people know that they can come out and 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 have that so so la came out and did get uh, addicted to methamphetamine pretty quickly and and heroin um and she very quickly um she moved out here with or moved out there with um two dogs and a litter of puppies and the mother dog um ended up biting a city ranger she was living in one of our city parks um so she ended up getting seized um the puppies all got seized as well um, and because LA is homeless and doesn't have a lot of money, she couldn't afford the fees to get the animals out. Um, I wanted to work with her and see if we could at least get her one puppy back. You know, it was kind of difficult through the political process to give her the biting dog back. Um, but unfortunately I was, I was not successful. So she, um, she was unable to get any of those animals back. Um, with me knowing awful well, she's going to get another dog somewhere somehow. Right. And that was kind of how I tried to sell it. Look, if we, why don't we just give her one of these puppies, give it back to her spayed and neutered, vaccinated and all that, and then we have to worry about her getting another one. But um, I was not successful in that. And lo and behold, about a year later, she had another dog. She had a pit bull puppy. Um, and, you know, as soon as I approached her um, and she saw me, um, and she has a very deep cigarette smoker voice, you know, and, um, uh, you know, she's just like, Stosie, you know, you're not taking this one too. And I was like, no, you're right, LA. I'm not. I'm here to work with you. And I kind of talk to her about, you know, what I tried to do with the puppy. And she was like, you know, I don't believe you. I'm not so sure. Like, you're just going to take this puppy as well. But through talking to her for a good hour, hour and a half, I mm-hmm. mean, which is a long time. Yeah. Um, officers who have calls to respond to an hour and a half is calls you should be getting to. But I, but in my mind, I was like, this lady's already had these puppies. Invest She's the going to do it again. Exactly. Um, so I was able to convince her to uh, get the puppy spayed. Um, and I took her right then and there to the shelter because I was afraid I was going to lose her if I didn't do it immediately. Um, and so, she, you know, we put the dog in the truck. Um, she rode with me because she said, I don't trust you to, to not come back with the dog. So I'm coming to the shelter with you. I was that's fine. Um, so we went to the shelter, um, got the dog spayed, and then she got the dog back. Wow. Um, and, I, and I see her to this day still living on the streets, um, but she looks good now. She's off uh, meth. Um, she's still smoking marijuana, but it's been done very well for her. Um, She actually looks good. You know, she looks healthy. She looks alive um, and she can hold conversations. Um, You know, there was times of where where she couldn't even string two sentences together. So and that's that's really the big thing as an animal care control officer is we need to look at the people as well as the animals because they're the ones that are with those animals. And we need to not have the judgment. We need to have the understanding. We need to have the empathy and compassion for the humans as well. And with L.A., um, I know she has told other people about me because I've had other people come up and say, hey, L.A., you know, told me about you. Can you help me with X, Y, Z? Um, so it's good it's, referrals. Exactly. Great referrals. Yeah. 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 And you know what? There's, in my opinion, so much to be said for the fact that, as you mentioned, they, they love their pets just mm-hmm. as much as anybody does, yeah. sometimes maybe even more so. And on the 
other side of that, you know, pets are really good for us. Exactly. Pets are good for humans. Mm-hmm. So it was, if we can help them and support their relationship with their yep. pet, chances are it's only going to be positive for them. Exactly. And that I feel like that's the case with LA. So it's it's yep. kind of cool to hear that. Yeah. I mean, and there's a, there's definitely a number of, of people I've run into that would, would be in jail long-term if it weren't for their animal. Or um, one one really nice kid who came here from the, from the Midwest um, who ended up... Um, he, he was very addicted to drugs and alcohol, um, but he was able to, because of his love for his dog and his fear that his dog was going to get taken away, um, was able to go back to the Midwest to be with his family and get in a recovery process. Okay, so, there you go. Yeah. There's a stigma around homelessness, yes. um, around folks who, who are either have been homeless for a long time or it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea of it, there's that stigma. How can, I mean, not just animal control officers or someone working in the field, but I mean, really animal lovers, anybody mm-hmm. who's listening, how can we start to sort of decrease that stigma around homelessness and of course, pet owners that mm-hmm. are homeless? Well, we, we get a lot of calls into our dispatch line, you know, where people say, hey, there's, you know, there's a homeless person panhandling at the intersection of 41st Avenue and SoCal and they have a dog. And so our first question is, well, what's your concern? And they're always, well, they're homeless. Okay, well, well, how does the dog look? Well, the dog looks fine, but they're, they're begging for food. Well, okay, well, they're begging for food for their animal. Does that show that they care for their animal? And so really turning it back on people and saying, look, what, what is the concern? Of, of homeless people having animals. And I mean, the homeless issue goes deep. I mean, it's, and, and in Santa Cruz, it goes very deep. There's a big divide, divide with the homeless community there with, for a lot of reasons, a lot of the garbage that's left in the, in the parks, uh, the, the needles that are showing up on the beaches now from, from the, the people who are doing, you know, due to drugs. Yes. So there's, there's reasons why people in the community don't like the, the homeless. Um, and I would just said, don't like the humans, which was <laughs> almost a good Freudian slip, but there's also reasons why they need to realize that they are humans. And that while they might not like one or two things that they do, that they're good, they, they're humans as well, and that they yes. love these animals, and that unless an animal is suffering, there's no reason to have a stigma around it, um, you know. And and I really do see that people, a lot of people in the homeless community, will feed their animals before they feed themselves. Yes. Um, you know, they'll go. You know, I actually saw somebody hand someone a cheeseburger once out their window, and the person put the cheeseburger right to the dog. You know, so it's. Um, it's, and it, but it's a hard stigma to break. Um, I think just because it goes so deep and, and every community is different. Um, you know, what's happening in Santa Cruz is very different from what's happening here is very different. What's happening in New York, very different what's happening in LA. Um, so it's hard to really put one quick fix as to how to, um, get that stigma away. But really, I think what it comes down to is, is seeing people as humans and, and, you know, really taking that compassion, that empathy, because people love dogs and cats. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's come a long way, but I think they need to kind of start thinking about the humans that are attached to them as well. You know, so. we're starting that conversation, you know, people like yourself who are ambassadors for, for these homeless people with, with pets that are able to chat with us here today, mm-hmm. you know, have all of our viewers and listeners tuning in to hear this kind of conversation. And that's what's going to start to break down those barriers. And we just have to keep being those types mm-hmm. of ambassadors and just keep, you know, every time you, you know, you're hanging it with friends or family and they go, oh, hey, look at so that guy over there, whatever with the pet, drop it. You know what I mean? Be the one in your family or your, the one in your group of friends that goes, what's the issue? Mm-hmm. And, and once we start doing that and just interjecting that into everyday life, we'll start to break that down. I agree. Yeah. And that goes with everything, not just homelessness. It's, it's, true. With all, it's true. All sorts of Todd, sorts it's of been amazing. Prejudices. It's yep. been so good you sharing this with us. Thank you very, very much for taking the time. No problem. Thank um, you. And uh, yeah, we hope to continue continue your, your voice and your work and, and spreading this message. Everybody, this has been another great 
episode of Animals Voice Podcast. Again, Todd, thank you so much for sharing with us. Keep tuning into these stories, guys. We want to keep sharing this information and we want to also hear from you. So if you've got something to say on this topic, reach out to us, okay? And you can uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can reach out to us through any of our social media channels. But make sure you're also catching these podcasts on iTunes for another great episode. Thanks so much, Todd. Animals Voice Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Animals Voice Podcast. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at our website, ontariospca.ca. Animals Voice Podcast is a production of the Ontario SPCA. The Society would like to thank all of our supporters. Together, we are the Animals Voice. <laughs>